0: Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate, and I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so glad to have you join us today. And I am sure that everybody listening to us already has every client they're ever going to want. <laughs> their programs are always full. So, you know, if you're one of those people, don't listen. What we have to share will not be helpful to you. <laughs> So everybody else let's listen. Okay. So get out your paper, your pencil, because we're going to talk about names and communication.
1: And you got, we got to We got to communicate with people.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to talk about the mailing list. And right now, there are two real distinct types of mailing lists, um, or at least formats, right? So there's those that use U.S. Postal Service, you know, snail mail mailing lists, and then there are emails, text messages, you know, some sort of electronic communication. So you know, my big thing, you know, I remember when I started my my started working for my program, or when I opened my first program. It was like, where do I find people? So Carrie, what are your, maybe not top 10 tips, maybe your top two tips, three tips on
1: finding people to put on an initial mailing list? Uh, If they're enrolled at your program, they should be on your mailing list. If they have toured your program in the last six months, they should be on your mailing list. And if they are a business within a half mile of you, they should be on your mailing list. All right. So that's Carrie's
0: top three. So I'm going to dovetail back into that. And just because if you listen to us last week, um, you'll know um, if they've called your program, they should be on a list. Now, if you've got one of the apps as part of one of your um, client management systems that can do texts then all you need is their cell phone number. Uh, any Otherwise, you know, at least ask for people's email address. I mean, this is not a hard ask for most people. Most people are used to it. Um, and if they've called your program, <laughs> you ought to at least know what age their kid is and you should have at least some way to contact them.
1: Okay, but it's so easy to get their email address. It is so easy. You're having a conversation with them if they called, a lot of times they're emailing you. So you've got their email address, right? Because they emailed you. But if they called, you have a conversation about what they're looking for in childcare, care. And they're going to ask some question that an article has been written about at some point in human history. And so you can say, you know, say they ask a question about toilet learning and you go, well, we have a really great article about that. Would you like me to send it to you? And they're going to say, yes, nine times out of 10. And then you go, great. What is your email address? I'll get that right over to you as soon as we're off the call. It's super easy to get it. We need to definitely do uh, an
0: episode on that kind of resource. But in the meantime, (laughs) let's 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 look at the list itself so you are getting you've got the people who come to your program toured your program called your program the people who work at your program (laughs) what you want to communicate with those bozos we already give them money but you know but you know you might even think about the people who've applied to work at your program now if there was a real definite reason why you did not hire them you may not put them on the list but you never know
1: who knows somebody uh Karen, and i know the surrounding that, businesses don't forget the surrounding businesses the
0: surrounding businesses but i was actually gonna i was gonna take that a step further i know that a lot of times you belonged to different types of organizations in your
1: community Would those be people you might add to your mailing list? If it's appropriate. Um, I also like to put my insurance agent on my mailing list and my banker and (laughs) and any other major service provider. So if you've got, we used to have somebody who came to the school that Kate went to, Kate's child went to of mine and her name was Cowgirl Sue. And she was one of our vendors and Cowgirl Sue came once a week to do music time with our school-age kids. It was a music enrichment program. So Cal Girl Sue was on my mailing list. Absolutely. You know, and then if you
0: are a, a director and your staff are directors or your staff have kids, if any of you have kids, think about the professionals who you already give money to, right? Your pediatrician, your dentist, you know, your children's dentist, um, add those people. Ask your staff to give you the names of people who they use for the same services uh, because you never
1: know who those people know. But um, what are we going to do with the mailing list? I mean, I know a lot of people who have the mailing list and it's in an Excel spreadsheet on their computer or a, you know, Google sheet on the cloud and they have it and they add people to it all the time. And that's, and they do that because people like us have told them that they need to have one, but they don't know what they're supposed to do do with it. They've just been told to add people to the mailing list. Okay. Well, you know, that's a great point, but I think the fact
0: that you said people remember to add, I think is awesome because I get people who go, yeah, I got a mailing list. And really what it is, is it's the emails that have come in and they've put them in a folder. There's not actually a usable list. So if you have a usable list, whether it's for snail mail or it's for electronic mail, and that could be either text or email, there's all different kinds of things that we can share with them. So if they are clients and they currently have kids
1: enrolled in your program, you're going to send them information about? Wait what you just said made me think that I might have to have more than one list, Kate. Am I going to have to have more than one list?
0: You know, it would be helpful if you were at least in your one list had a column that had people tag, right? So that you would know who are current, who are prospects, who are people who are maybe in your mind, they're too old. Because The kid is now five and he goes to kindergarten. But then all of a
1: sudden, I don't know, you decide to do a summer program. Or maybe their parent decides to procreate again. I mean, that happens. I I wouldn't know anybody whose oldest child is like 10 years, you know, so who had one baby and then 10 years old had another baby. I wouldn't know anybody like that. So there's a real reason why you people do not see the videos of our
0: podcast. Um, I think this one's going on YouTube. I think so. Definitely felt a little called out about that. Yes, but from a business standpoint, I'm going to encourage you to keep those people on your list until their child is at least 14 or 15. Uh, because at least through the age of 12, there's a good chance that they may need care at some point in time during a summer or a holiday or a school holiday, or something, so. And they're still gonna have friends who have kids who are younger. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, so we could sit here and do a whole episode on how to build a list. So if you have that need, reach out to us at hello at colorfulclipboard.com because we are happy to share with you all of the ideas we have on how to build a list. There might be a few. There might be a few And, um, but we're going to just kind of touch on, okay, so now that you have this list, somehow you have it segmented, where you store that list is again, also entirely up to you there are pieces of software that are designed specifically for our industry. You can get more generic uh, customer relations management software that allows you to create tickler files. There are spreadsheets, all different kinds of things. I I mean, you know, if you really like snail mail, as we often refer to it, or mail using the U.S. Postal Service, you might be one of those people that just has, you know, a sheet, a Word document with with all the addresses in it
1: or index cards, you know, whatever works for you. We're not here to boss you around about that. But now that you've got a list, and I'm telling you, even if you've just opened your center and that you have 3 people enrolled and two of them are related to you, then that means you've got at least two people for your mailing list. Your spouse <laughs> or the other parental unit of that those children and the other child, <laughs> so you've at least got two people for the mailing list. And then you probably have a doctor and a dentist. So now we have four people on our mailing list, and then you can look around who is around you that you can add, right? So you can get to even 10, even if this is your first week in business. Now, if you've got 150 kids enrolled right now, then you should have closer to 200, 250 people on that mailing list pretty easily, okay? But what are we going to send it to? So let's let's talk first about what you would send to our currently enrolled kids. How often are we going to reach out to those families?
0: So everybody's got their own theory on that. Um, And also in what format, right? Is that going to be electronic? Is that text? Is that email? Is that on social media? Some sort of group app? could be anything. And so the real basic things to think about as far as communicating with parents uh, are people who are already part of your program, when information is due. So it can be permission forms, could be money. Uh, if there's something like um, a snow day or some sort of an emergency happens, your, your pipes burst, right? All of these are things that you would communicate with parents, and you need a way to be able to do that. Some people use it to send out menu. So if you've got a menu that you like to publish in advance, you can always send out the menu in advance, the curriculum in advance. But my favorite are community-wide special events or parent training programs. I love those because it helps to build that community and even with such a rough couple of years we've all had, our families still want those. And, you know, they're ready to, to,
1: to, to, to see people. <laughs> and so not do all of those have to be things that you planned or can I invite people to Eeyore's birthday party? If
0: Eeyore's birthday party fits your demographics, (laughs) I would say that something that is a community-wide festival, whether it's maybe not Eeyore's birthday, but again, it depends on your program, your parents, you you would know whether or not that was a better match than I would. (laughs) But a lot of times a homeowners association or some sort of neighborhood association might be having a spring event where people go look for candy inside of eggs. Uh, sometimes there's other fundraising activities. If you're a night out. Yeah, in the next week or so, um, you guys or actually, I think it's today, Dr. Seuss Day, Read Across America Day, um, is also a really good, you know, opportunity uh, to send something out. And, you know, sometimes you're just going to see, you're going to find out it's some national day that you just think is hysterical that you want to share with your parents.
1: Yeah, that's Kate and I's thing. We love to tell you guys about weird days. We haven't done it in a while. We need to get back in the In the habit habit of giving people the fun days.
0: Absolutely. Well, if you are listening to this on the day this dropped, which is March 1st, then, you know, at least go get your cat in the hat book um, and at least read, you know, one Dr. Seuss book today, even if you read it when you get home, Uh, read it for yourself. But, um, (laughs) and then next year, make sure it's on your calendar so that you plan accordingly
1: (laughs) and you have green eggs and ham. So. But see, I feel like those community wide things could go not just to my current clients, but to the potential clients, the people who've come on tours and the people who work at the neighborhood businesses and the, you know, candle maker, the dentist, all of that kind of good stuff. Well, and Um, realtors, I
0: mean, you know, depending on your community, there seem to be a ton of realtors, people constantly moving and anything that you can do to collaborate and partner, especially if you're going to be there, especially if you're going to be there wearing your program's shirt or having flyers or something to pass out or some sort of game. I mean, you know, Carrie, you live in a municipal utility district that (laughs) pre-COVID used to have real engaging community
1: events every other month and has a lot of them we have you know movies in the park and trunk or treat and um the fourth of july parade and we were supposed to have bingo during the last freeze um so we did not have bingo because it was a freeze but before we knew about the freeze there was supposed to be a bingo night yeah, they, they have fishing days and stuff like that. And they have lots of really
0: great family events for kids and families of all ages. And so reach out to your local rec center or library, find out if they have anything that kind of Fits with your type of program, um, you know. Whether it's a health and safety week, maybe you can come and and talk about baby proofing houses. You know, you might have a parent who is, you know, part of an EMS service and really wants to come and talk about the importance of putting in, you know, car seats correctly. And you know, if you have a pretty good after school or school age program, bicycles and you know, bicycle safety. All of these are, even if you don't currently do them, are things that communities go, Oh, we should do that. And just about any business can get excited about one of those types of topics.
1: So my suggestion, you know, I asked Kate and she's dodged the question very effectively, which is how often do I need to communicate with those people on my mailing list Is the answer is at least once a month. (laughs) If you're not doing it once a month, there's no point in having the mailing list. Depending upon your community, for some communities, doing it once a day is appropriate for your clientele. There are some communities, some school communities that want, that most of the parents want some sort of communication every day to tell them something cool. (laughs) Now, if nothing cool happened that day, then send out a thing about this is how you can tell if your child has a peanut allergy. <laughs> you know, have a couple things stockpiled about peanut allergies and toilet training and biting and how to tell your kid that a sibling is on the way, you know, you can have a good collection of like 20 or 30 articles. That are just ready to drop on days when you have nothing else to say. Um, I like to, to, the newsletter that I sent out to our clients today, the day of the recording, not the day you're listening to it, I forwarded information from another organization. I put in five jokes and then I told them about the podcast episode that just went live. <laughs> so there was no cohesive message. It was just here is a free webinar that I think you might be interested in. Here's something to make you laugh. And here's something we did. It doesn't have to be cohesive. It doesn't have to take a whole lot of time, but it reminds our clients on a weekly basis, hi, we're here. And here's some free things that we are giving you that hopefully will enrich your life. It can be Play-Doh recipes. If, the, if your parents don't love Play-Doh recipes, I think you should disenroll them. I think you should only enroll people who love Play-Doh because if they don't love Play-Doh, they're, they're no friends of mine. Um, that's just the way it is. Those are my rules. You can not enroll in any of my programs if you don't like Play-Doh.
0: All right, so we've talked about what to do and how to communicate with the people who are currently in your program, but we still have two other groups of people at least on your list, right? The people who have toured or called, and then we have those service providers and our bankers and stuff like that. So the bankers, the service providers, the people who've toured your program, they absolutely should hear from you a couple of times a year. If you are a program that does any sort of fundraising fundraising, or you do some sort of fall festival or some sort of spring festival, even if you just partner with a neighborhood group on something like that, those are the types of things to share to those people. And my personal favorite with those is to send that by U.S. Postal Service. If you have the addresses, use it once or twice a year. You don't have to use it all the time because that can be expensive. Um, you can do something fun with it and send Valentine's Day cards. You can send holiday cards. You We're can, sending St. Patrick's Day cards this year. You can send Fourth of July Day cards. Fourth of July. Anyway. <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah. um, You can send, you know, you can send the cards just for really no reason. Or you can send the cards introducing them to perhaps a new business in town. Um, who maybe wants to give them free French fries. I don't know. And so there's lots of ways to use your mailing list. And again, if you aren't sure what to do with them and you haven't figured out how, you don't think you're getting the most out of the time you're taking to put together that list, reach out to us at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. Carrie and I would be happy to sit down with you, uh, do a, a, a marketing consultation and talk about what you need and how we might be able to be of service. But then again, I'm sure that if you posted to social media to your
1: families, they'll tell you what they want to hear from you. And they'll tell you what they would have liked to know while they were trying to decide which centers to go to. Part of what I like to put in the prospect emails is all the cool stuff you're doing. Because if they didn't choose your center and they went somewhere else, chances are that you guys aren't doing the same special events. (laughs) And so... You can create a little bit of fear of messing messing out, missing out, a little bit of FOMO um, for clients who did not enroll so that if they have second thoughts about where they chose to go, then they think about you and they're like, ooh, like we haven't done anything all year and it's March. There's been no special event. And this other center that we toured and didn't go to had in January, they had a thing for Martin Luther King Day, and then in February, they did a whole thing for President's Day, and then in March, they've got, I don't know what, uh, the Read Across America Day or... And A big thing about the day after daylight savings time where everybody gets to come in their pajamas and, you know, whatever. If you're doing one interesting thing a month that goes out in the newsletter to your prospects, there will be people who change the decision that they make. And they come to your center after all. Absolutely. Well,
0: thank you so much, everybody. We hope to see y'all next week. If you like what you heard, share it with a peer, share it with a friend, share it to social media, put a link in your, maybe not this episode. We've got some other episodes though. You can always share in your newsletter that goes out to your parents.
1: All right? Absolutely. <laughs> see you next time. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to
0: keep learning with us, visit Texas Director where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more.
1: This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.